Are you looking to gear up with some unique designs featuring your favorite teams, players, sayings, or movie references? Or are you just trying to rep the breakdown in your hometown? Well, now you can with some of the coolest, most comfortable gear, all while supporting local artists with TeePublic. TeePublic is an internet store featuring tons of shirt designs that you can put on different types of t-shirts, hoodies, three-quarter sleeves, swag out your dog with the dog tee, or, you know, go away from t-shirts and get some stickers, you know, uh, the, 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 what are they called? The double-walled uh, cups. I'm not yeah. going to say the brand name, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Use our URL bit.ly slash the breakdown store. That's the BRKDWN store and use that so they know that we sent you. All sales benefit the creating artists. And if you use our link, we get a small portion of the profit as well. That's bit.ly slash the breakdown store. Check it out today. Seven, it is World Series time. Let's go. Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by. The breakdown. Three two. Pebbles drill deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. See ya. Three thousand. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! You hear that, and, and that can only mean one thing. Seven's team. Your Yankees, R.I.P. in peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, I mean, do you want to do you want to take this time and, and say a few words on behalf of 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 your fallen comrades? I got a few words. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> Saturday night was uh, with my brother, surrounded by our, our good friends that share our sympathies for the Yankees, of course. Um, no, they're all Red Sox fans, and it was a hostile environment to begin with. But we were watching the game, and I was convinced that they were going to come back and win that game. First inning, Chad Green gives up a three-run shot to Guriel. I'm like, okay, it's first inning. We got time here. And the wheels never fell off, it felt like, but they were definitely riding with some busted spokes. And we got all the way through to the top of the ninth and DJ LeMayhew just answered everyone's prayers in New York and I was so proud of him and just I was happy to be a Yankees fan and it felt really good and it was just oh it was euphoria and it got dashed in a fucking instant because Jose Altuve I don't like I don't even know if I hate him I just think he's he just ripped my fucking heart out in one swing. <laughs> and I like I don't want to say I hate someone I don't know, but I fucking hate him right now, if that makes sense. Like I hate what he did to me and I was it's like going from the biggest high of highs, a fucking game tying two run shot in the ninth to push this game into extras and 
your Araldus Chapman, your closer that you're paying Buku bucks, can't come in and secure, or at least fucking keep the tie where it is, just hangs a slider over the middle of the plate, and Altuve rips my heart out. And um, that was the longest home run I've ever seen. Like, it took forever to get out of the fucking park for me. Oh, I had so much hang time. And I, I was like, I just, I wish you just hit it into the fucking Crawford boxes, like just a laser, just to get it over with. But it just hung there, and watching, just the outfield react to that and chasing it down to the wall, and finally it just goes out. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me! Like, you, you couldn't just drop dick and just send this thing out at 110. You have to really loft it up and let my boner just deflate, just like that. It was, it was the worst. That was the biggest blue balls I've ever had in my life. So, so <laughs> I was watching and Lemay, like you had that long ass at bat, and I perfect. and I literally said out loud, "I'm like, this is one of the best at bats I've ever seen. He better end this with some sort of production, or else it's going to get ignored by people." And yeah. and then, sure as shit, two pitches later, he puts it in the seats right out of. Uh, who was that? Springer's grasp. Yeah, just right out of it. It was. It was honestly. It was like writing a fucking storybook. It was the perfect moment, the perfect swing, just the perfect everything encapsulated into that one, one shining moment. And just to have it like end that way was just so deflating. Because it, it couldn't have happened at a worse time too. Right after that happened, like in the bottom of the frame, you give up a walk off like that. It was just, uh, it was quite the uh, whirlwind of emotions and, and just chain of events that I did not anticipate coming. I didn't anticipate DJ hitting that home run either. So, um, I, so it, again, it was just one of those things that like, I thought of you as soon as it was Hicks. I was like, this is Seven's MVP guy. Yeah. And and, and he's just got to be, you just got to be beside yourself. And then, so funny story though about that. <clears throat> so we're watching that. And so my brother's getting married next year. Congrats. Um, to my brother and anyway he's i have to plan a bachelor party so he said if dj lemay who hits a fucking home run right now we're going to detroit because that's where dj's from and he called he's like ah bachelor party in detroit just the way they drew it up i think that was the scene of the hangover four actually yeah so i can't i can't wait um i'm gonna take everyone down to eight mile and drink (laughs) fucking cold 45 and just watch that home run on replay i guess because I don't know what else to do now. I really hope we're not going to Detroit, but he called that home run and said we're going to Detroit if he hits it. So uh, thanks, DJ, and thank you, Yankees, for not covering that, and now we have to go party in the shittiest city. So just everything came crashing down in fucking two minutes. <laughs> but then Altuve hits the homer, and I said, I said honestly going into the top of the ninth, I'm like, Yankees are going to tie this up, and Astros are going to break their fucking hearts. Yep. And not even I saw it happening like that. Like, I kind of expected, like, Altuve to single and then somebody else to single again. And it was, it'd be a walk-off, you know, a walk-off single. And, yeah. and you know, but, I mean, you want to talk storybook. And you wanted to talk storybook about Altuve, or about uh, that LeMahieu home run right out of Springer's grasp. You really can't write a better story than Jose Altuve. No, I mean, the guy is definitely, like, he's one of the best pure hitters in baseball, which is kind of a lost art when you consider just the way the game's going and 
where we're moving towards with just home runs and strikeouts. And that it's the same reason you love LeMahieu. It's just Altuve is going to give you a good at bat every time. He sees a lot of pitches, but he doesn't let anything fool him. He just puts the bat to the ball, and that's that. I mean, for, for, as a baseball fan, yeah, that's it was a great way to watch good hitting kind of overcome like all the obstacles in front of him because he was. I don't think he was necessarily trying to hit a home run. No, um, I don't think so either. But I, I think that's just a sign of a good hitter. He was he was battling. And he he can pick out mistakes, and Chapman threw a bad pitch, and credit to a good hitter to just pick it off and, and take him deep because that's the type of and those are the types of at bats that really kind of define the team moving forward too because the Astros have really no there's no black hole in that lineup. And, no, and, and, and Matty P, I'm not sure where I'm going to plug this into the into the show, but he says it when we talk about the World Series that Astros team is just so dynamic by the way uh haven't said it yet but maddie p will be joining us later in the show we're recording at kind of a funky time right now so he's not on with us uh at the moment but he will be throughout the show yeah i i think the um the interesting thing with this so this series really was the yankees to lose if you think about it you go through and look at all the numbers and the breakdowns of you know i think the astros scored 22 runs total the yankees scored 21 so a few Missed opportunities, a few key at-bats. If Didi Gregorius hits that fly ball and I think it was game three or maybe game two, if that travels maybe four and a half feet more, I mean, the Yankees could win that game. Uh, I hate playing the, the what-if game, but... How'd you feel? How'd you Speaking of the what-if game, how'd you feel about Michael Brantley just making maybe the catch of the season with all things considered? Honestly, like I, I think I tweeted it out right after. I, I said, I mean, you can blame the Yankees all you want for that but that was just a good play by Brantley like there's nothing you can really do about it um and yeah that, that that's a good play I mean that's yeah and th- this series was cool because these it had the two I guess I would call them the two best free agent signings of the offseason last year um Brantley and LeMahieu and hmm. they got and they got them for dimes on the dollar so I I think they were the best bargain free agent signings that you'll probably see in a while too, because both these guys were, for all intents and purposes, the lifeblood of the lineups. When you think about it, yeah, you have Correa and Altuve and Gurriel, uh, Springer, but then on the Yankee side, I mean, and both these teams went through injuries. Um, granted, the Yankees had more, but the Yankees won constant, and the Astros won constant was Brantley and LeMayu. Um, those guys were consistently hitting, and they were consistently in the lineup, and they they played nearly every game, so. There's something to be said about that and the way free agency could go, too, just from watching these two guys play in October the way they did. Yeah. I mean, boy, it's just been... I mean, I guess when you said that, um, that this series was the Yankees to lose, I didn't approach it that way, but I definitely see how you got there. And I, I think a lot of people might think that way. I think the Astros came in with... Um, maybe the bigger dick swing in, but, but I definitely see how, how you got there as, especially as a Yankees fan. Yeah. And, and the reason I say it is because you start the game or you start the series off with a win in Houston right off the bat. And the the second game being brought into extra innings the way it did. If auto, and again, it's tough to play revisionist history on a game or 
a sport like baseball in general because there's so many moving parts in it, but it's a game of chess when you think about it. But if Otto, if Aaron Boone doesn't overmanage in that game too, and you let Green, who had retired, I think, six in a row at that point, if you let him just keep pitching instead of looking for the matchup that you wrote down in your manager card, I just think it plays out a little different. And again, we'll never know, and it's, it's not fair to say it would, but there's reason for optimism the way Green was pitching at the time. You pull him, bring in Ottavino, first pitch, hanging slider, Gonzo, tied game at 2-2. And then before you know it, it was just the Yankees couldn't hit anymore. And no one could hit anymore until the extra innings. And that's that's going to be the biggest regret I think Boone will have of this whole series because you can say what you want about game six or, or any other other games in the series. But game two, if you're up 2-0 two, two going back to New York, steal a game um, – right off the bat against Cole at that point where he's kind of pitching to keep his team in it. I think it changes the whole dynamic, and that's why I think it was the, the Yankees' series to lose in that sense because I think Boone overmanaged. I, I just I don't think he trusted his guys when he needed to, and that's what we've seen Girardi do a couple years ago against this same Astros team for the most part, and it came down to seven games in that series. It was just key moves and key, key matchups that I think analytics would skew – over you know what your gut's telling you when the game is kind of playing out. I think you have to let it play out a little bit more, and, and that's one hesitation I have when I, I pick the Yankees in any of these series moving forward if they don't add some pitching. I wish I could remember where I saw the tweet because it was in the the game where Correa hit the home run, the the walk off. Um, was that the game that Shane Green started? No, so that was the game Paxton started. Um, okay, so Paxton in that one. Did you think that he overman that uh, what's his name that, that Boone overmanaged in that one? No, I actually I, I agreed completely with pulling Paxton when he did in the third. Um, or it might have been the fourth, but either way, Paxton didn't have it. I think they were lucky to only have two runs on the board at that point. Um, the he wasn't pitching like Paxton. I, I think he was dancing around. He was nibbling. So I, I was full. I was fully supportive of him pulling Paxton when he did. My issue is pulling Chad Green when he pulled Chad Green. I, I think in a, in a game of bullpens where you know you're going to have to use these guys and you're going to tax a lot of arms, and Green's giving you you know, probably some of the best relief that you'll see just to pull him because you want a matchup because I think it was Springer had bad numbers against Ottavino. Uh, I just, that was overmanaging to a T because Ottavino had not been good before that either in, in the Twin Series, so... Unless he, he, you know, he must have seen something in the in the lineup card that proved otherwise. But I just I didn't like that move at all. That was one that me, my dad, and my brother all kind of looked at each other like this is not a good fucking move right here. It's it's way too early to pull him. He's he's on a roll. You, you got to keep the bullpen rested as much as you can. And they had an off day after to go back to New York. So I just didn't agree with anything that happened in that series of events. I finally got it right here. This is from Jeff Passan on uh, the 13th of October. Astros versus James Paxton, four for nine. Astros versus Yankees relievers in the same game, two for 27. I understand that the results don't always mean the moves were right, but can we please just pocket the quote, Aaron Boone is overmanaging, unquote, takes. A lot of bullpen moves isn't overmanaging. It's managing in 2019, end of tweet. Um, that stood out to me, actually. Because I definitely see the 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 overmanaging side of things, but boy, you know the old saying goes, number numbers never lie. No, that's true. But when you think about it, what was it? Two for twenty three? You said twenty seven. Two for twenty seven. So 
Um, one of those hits was a home run, and that's what Passan fails. I think to, they both were actually. Yeah, they actually they were because the other it was the solo shot and yeah. then and then the Correa walk off. Yeah, so the other one was came off a half at the end there. So they're both home runs, um, both times. Well, the half thing you're an extra, so you have to pitch him. I get that, but at, at that point Green had not let up a hit, and he was. I think he had retired every batter he faced. So there's something to be said, and that's where the overmanaging argument for me comes in because. When you have a pitcher and he's a reliever and you can get some length out of him because you have that off day coming up, wouldn't you want to just keep going back to the well until it doesn't work instead of ruining timing and rhythm for a pitcher and then bringing in a guy who probably didn't expect the pitch in that moment either? Um, that, that's my concern. I, I don't think Ottavino looked ready. I think he looked scared. And the way – I know his slider can be lethal, but – he had not been throwing it well up until that point. So the first pitch he throws is a hang slider, and Springer is a good hitter. He's gonna he's gonna do damage with it. Obviously, the home run is a, the most damage he can do, and it ties the game and it changes the whole complexion of the series from that point on. Yeah, I get that. Um, all right, let's move off the Yankees. What, what's done is dead, and the Yankees uh. are dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, not much managerial news this week. No, uh, no hirings yet to speak of, but. Ron Washington getting a second interview with the Padres. Inject this into my veins. I need more Ron Washington short outside of him being an infield coach in Atlanta. Yeah, I actually like this a lot. This is um, surprised me a little bit when I saw the Padres relate to him um, because I don't remember Ron Washington. And maybe he has like a, a secret history that I'm not aware of, but I don't remember him as being a great manager for pitchers and no not me neither i mean i when i when i think of that tenure in texas they were all josh josh hamilton comes to mind not Derek holland yeah and and i think that's why it's a little perplexing for me it's i i like the signing though because san diego has good pitching and they i feel like they've always had decent pitching the last few years but their hitting has always been a, a an area of improvement and so, yeah, I, I get it why you want to go after a guy like that because you just dropped the bag on Manny Machado. You have all these young hitters coming up. Eric Hosmer you're still going to be paying. Um, who else? I think they have – oh, Will Myers. I forgot they signed him to yeah. a deal too. So you, you have to get the most out of those guys, uh, especially – This team had no pitching. Holy crap. <laughs> Are you I'm looking at the Rangers? This 2011 Rangers team? <laughs> yeah. C.J. Wilson, Colby Lewis – Derek Holland, Matt Harrison, and Alexia Gondo was their rotation. Oh. Neftali Feliz, Darren Oliver, Mark Lowe. I'm not even going to try and pronounce this Asian guy's last name. And Arthur Rhodes. Um, I remember Arthur might, Rhodes, the, the left Yash, Yashinori Tatiyama. Uh, sure. We'll, we'll go with that, yeah. His, <laughs> his, <laughs> his, <laughs> his Twitter is at... Tate, 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 Jan. Uh, respect the hell out of it. Um, I got to look at his Twitter now. I wonder if it's all like Japanese characters. It's got to be. I feel like it's one of those. Yep, yep. it is. Okay. Um, yeah, no, no, wait. We tweeted on October 5th. Love these guys with a Facebook link. What the the rest is. <laughs> The rest is all Japanese. Wow, we were correct. We might need to oh, translate. Let's check out Google. Thank you, Google. Uh, 
Okay, this this might be the one that gets us cut off. <laughs> we might get kicked. This might be the one that gets ki- gets us kicked off all the nice networks. Do you think Google Translate would? I wonder if it's like authentic Japanese or it like got misconstrued and it was like Ariana Grande's tattoo where it's like small charcoal grill or some shit like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's so bad. It looks like it's pretty pretty consistent. I mean, it's an authentic source tweeting it. I would hope. Except for the love you guys. No, I'm saying, is... I'm saying, I'm saying the translation. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he, he tweeted hashtag Texas Rangers hashtag. It's supposed to be Globe Life Park, but it's Glove Life Park. Oh, see, so there's always there's always one. You gotta love it. You gotta love people uh, translate. He's, he's uh still coaching over in Japan. Good for him. Good, Good for, for him. him. All right, enough about. Yoshinori Tatayama. Um, <laughs> God, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, so Rangers or Padres also giving a look to uh, Rangers field coordinator Jace Tingler, and this according to Craig uh, Calcaterra from NBC Sports. Um, interesting to think that um, the 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 Padres current GM AJ Preller, a former Rangers assistant GM going back to a lot of the guys that he's familiar with over in uh, Texas. I wonder what it is with the obsession for San Diego to bring a Texas guy in. I know they have like decent offenses. Uh... I mean, to me, it just screams like if, if that's true, that AJ Preller, uh, the, the their current GM was the assistant GM in, sense, yeah. in the Rangers organization, I guess. To me, that's I, I see when I first saw Ron Washington and even the Rangers infield coordinator, um, whose name I just read and already escapes me. Um, oh, uh, the Tingler. Yeah, Tingler. <laughs> thank you. Um, Sounds like a super villain from like the fucking Golden <laughs> Comics. Ah, <laughs> bringing in I the Tingler. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, boy. Uh, to me, this seems almost short-sighted in terms of who you're opening the the candidacy to. Well, that's kind of my thought, too, after you said that, because I understand that as a GM, you probably want to bring in your guy, familiar face, you worked with him before, you know him, you know what to expect. But at the same time, I mean, look what the Yankees did a couple of years ago with Aaron Boone. Granted, he had one big plate appearance for the team when he played with them in 04, but... Like, or I'm sorry, 03, but are we really going to, like, like he had no other experience before. They just went with a guy that probably interviewed well. and gave Yeah, that's true. Pitch. I think if you pigeonhole yourself to just ex-Rangers, employees, and coaches, it's going to turn out bad. And that's kind of the risk that you're running. I mean, we've seen it before happen with some other managers. Um, I mean, look at, I think it was Brad Ausmus uh, in both his stints has not worked out. And I know he's had ties to both organizations somehow or another. So I feel like you just you got to cast a wide net, and you have to get the best best guy for the job. So yeah, I, I I do like the Ron Washington move. I think that would be good for a team that's lacking offense for an offensive minded manager to come in and, and probably help in that aspect. I don't like you know double triple dipping into the into ex Rangers or current Rangers coaches just because you worked with them before. Um, I I just think that's. It's it's like a Michael Scott quote. It's it's somewhat like nepotism. So <laughs> at that point, it's you know, you might as well just fucking. And I was go. gonna say it's in the jeans, and I was gonna be wearing jeans. 
my god. Uh, my brain is nothing but baseball in the office at this point. Love it. <laughs> All right, you ready to get into the world into World Series preview? Yeah, we do have to talk about some breaking news though. Oh. Um, not again, not completely credible yet. There's only been one source tied to it, but according to, I believe it's the Democrat news in St. Louis, Giancarlo Stanton has expressed interest in leaving New York city to play for the St. Louis Cardinals. What question mark? So, (laughs) and Tommy, you know me, I, uh, I have a lot of things to say about Mike. Um, I was going to say, I'm not familiar with this player you're talking about. Yeah, Mike Stanton. Um, Mike Stanton. Oh, you mean, okay, you mean Mike Stanton. Yeah, fucking <laughs> sent him to St. Louis, wrapped with a fucking bow on him, because I'm <laughs> done with him. I am so fucking done with him. He is the worst. I have never, even when A-Rod was someone to hate on this team, I never fully hated him because I was like, you know what? Sometimes he comes through and he got a ring and he shook the fucking demons from the, like everything clicked with him at one point. I don't think it's ever going to happen with Mike. I'm sorry. You have 18 games to show this year. You fucking K whenever you're in the box in the big spot in the postseason, and you don't even play in half the fucking series because your quad hurts. Give up your fucking roster spot. A B get the fuck out of town. Yeah, you're right. We don't want you here. You have been worth nothing to this team. They played better when Mike Talkman was patrolling the left field, you sack of shit. You need to get the fuck out of New York and go to St. Louis because I'm sure you can hit 60 home runs. And then by the time the playoffs roll around, you look like Walter Jr. from Breaking Bad on a pair of fucking roller skates when an 0-2 breaking ball comes through. <laughs> so get out. Wow. All right. So in 176 games in pinstripes. He is hitting 268, slugging 507, OPS of 856. That's 41 bombs, 113 ribs. And 186 games, right? 176. 176. Yeah, I don't really care about that. Um... (laughs) (laughs) So let me just give you one stat real quick, ready? Because his defense has also been atrocious. Um, And and if you're going to play him as your left fielder, I would like him to be able to save you a couple runs. For, for reference, Mike Talkman, so this year, in 567 innings, almost half of what Kevin Kiermeyer played for the Rays, you have 14 defensive runs saved. Kiermeyer had 15. Talkman was second in the league in defensive runs saved. Talkman also gave you good hitting when he was healthy. And he also stole bases. And he was a complete player. So... I'm not saying Talkman's better than him. I'm just saying he's a better fit on this team moving forward. Because the Yankees have an issue, and they have to address it in this offseason. You need to balance that lineup more. I'm sick of having these power hitters that strike out or hit home runs. Because it will not save you when it counts most. That's been my problem with with uh, this this Yankees team. It's just that. is They don't have a complete enough lineup. Is They're, they're going to bop it. They're going to be Bronx Bombers, but that's about all they can do. That's what, And that's the issue because you can't have a lineup. And the top of the lineup is great. You have Judge, uh, Glaber, and LeMayhew. And then after that, it's like the drop. I know the drop-off shouldn't feel like you're jumping off a cliff, but it does when you get down to the Encarnacion's, the Sanchez, the Stanton's. And, like, that heart of the lineup, 
is they just don't produce when you need them because it's it's the same shit. They're all righties. They're all they're all power hitters. They all swing and miss. You just have to diversify that lineup a little bit more. And I like them more when they were playing with this band of misfits with the Urshelas and the Talkmans and the Mike Fords and the Cameron Mabins. It was clicking because they were putting together quality at-bats and they were giving you different looks. And as a pitcher, it has to be a lot more difficult to not just count on home runs and pitching inside or chasing breaking balls because now it's like, okay, I don't know how this guy fucking hits. And it's a lot more difficult to pitch against that than, Mm -hmm. you know. When I have Giancarlo Stanton looking like Bambi taking his first fucking steps if I throw him a curveball. <laughs> Sorry, Mike Stanton. Mike. Yeah. Mike. All right. Uh, just to to put a cherry on top of your point of of Mike's inability to produce in the postseason, in ten postseason games, obviously all in New York, uh, hitting two thirty five. His slugging drops to only four twelve. His OPS drops to seven thirty seven and a negative win probability added of negative 0.35. Um, yep. So that definitely shows to your point, <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm definitely not arguing it. That being said, I would take him on the Indians in a heartbeat. Have him. Where, as, what? Take him. F- fine. Gladly. Yeah, Gladly. Please. Um. The Dolans would not take on that salary. Are you kidding me? No, I know. So, so, so here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna take on. If you guys, if you guys just float the bill for about three hundred million of that three twenty five, and then the Indians will take him. Oh no no no! Now it's only I think two hundred and seventy million left. So okay, if you guys could take about two hundred and forty two, then I'm sure the Indians might kick the tires on him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, well, uh, honestly, uh, if I'm Cashman, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, <laughs> but but to speak more, just remi- it, it just reminds me of the time that the Browns traded for Brock Osweiler, <laughs> but it was condition it was conditional that the Texans paid like sixty Everything. million of the salary. Yeah, <laughs> and they had to give the Browns like a fifth yeah. round pick. It was yeah. like we'll take him if you pay for him and give us a fifth rounder. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was perfect. But I think, honestly, where there's smoke, there's fire with this Stanton deal. Because if you think about it, St. Louis has a similar problem with a guy that should be producing a Matt Carpenter. And I know his sample size is a lot smaller in terms of him being bad. But they signed him to a pretty bad contract. At this point, it looks bad now. I think if you send Carpenter back for Stanton and the Yankees eat Carpenter's salary and a little bit of Stanton's, it works. Um I would love to see if this comes to fruition. So uh, that's just me speaking into the void because I have no clue if that's true or because it's, it's all rumors right now, but we'll see if where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And I'm sure he cannot get enough of uh, the New York media at this point. So if you can't take the heat, if you can't take the heat, get the fuck out of New York. Yeah, please get out. All right. It's world series preview time. Maddie P is joining us for this, so catch you on the other side of this. Okay, so we got Matt joining us because he, uh, so we're record- kind of recording at a weird time today. Uh, so Matt's not available to be on pod, but he is available to join us right now. Matt, what's going on, Maddie P? What's up, boys? How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, but good to uh, good to catch up with you, even though we can't have you on the pod. So we're talking World Series uh what do you how do you how are you approaching this series what are you looking at oh man um 
you know, these two these two teams, you, they're very comparable. Uh, a lot of similarities between the two, in my opinion. I think, you know, obviously both teams seem to have the best pitching staff in baseball. And, that you know, it's an obvious case having them both in the World Series. But when you compare these pitchers and, and even their hitters with each other, it's very similar. So I, I'm expecting a great World Series. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I can't wait to get tuned in. I'm pretty anxious for it. Yeah, me too. Um, so you mentioned these two, maybe the two best staffs in baseball right now. Who are you giving the edge to in terms of starters? It's real tough, man. It's real tough. I mean, I, I watched more of Cole having wa- you know been to a couple of the Rays games and watching that series very closely, and then um, you know watching a little bit more of the AL uh, Astros Yankees. So. I've seen a little bit more Cole, you know, matching up with Scherzer. I'm kind of giving them a wash. They're very equal, in my opinion. Same with Strasburg and Verlander. It's tough to choose one over the other. Um, So uh, the edge I'm giving to the Nationals with pitching, when you get to Granke versus Corbin, I think Corbin is a little bit better, at least in the postseason and Granky. Um, so I'm giving the pitching edge to the Nationals, and then when you start comparing the bats, we could go up and down one through nine. It's tough to go against the Astros, so you give the Astros a little bit of the advantage when it comes to the bats, and then flip the coin, man. I mean, is it going to be pitching, or is it going to be offense? Well, you know, we don't know, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited. See, I'm big of the belief of good pitching beats good hitting uh, in October, <laughs> so in that regard, I, I'm thinking nationals but when i look at these teams on paper i can't find a better top to bottom roster in recent memory than this astros team no it's it's solid and when they released their i remember when they released their starting lineup for game one versus the Rays in that first series i was like there is no weak spot in this one through nine like that's a scary thought i mean obviously when they get to washington they're gonna have a pitcher in that one through nine so hopefully that helps a little bit but you know not too much man i mean yeah that's it's a solid offense and yeah the nationals they they've held their own as well and they have a good one through nine um i'm gonna jump right into it and i'm gonna take the nationals in seven um and i think i'm picking a little bit more with my heart on this one because i do want to see the nationals win a world series i think that'd be great you know get rid of bryce harper go win a world series like no one no one saw that coming so I'm pushing for the Nationals in seven, and I, like I said, I think every game is going to be exciting, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. No doubt about that. Seven, any remarks on his comment or on his prediction? No, I think he summed it up perfectly. I think this is um, the, the the X Factor game for me is going to be Granky Corbin if it lines up that way because yeah. that that's going to be the the game that could tilt it. Uh, but then you go right back to Verlander, Cole, Strasburg, Scherzer, because I don't think the Nationals are, are going to be sticking around with like Annabelle Sanchez um, because this is going to be all hands on deck right now. This is why you make it. This is why you play your, your best. Um, the lineups, yeah, you could honestly flip a coin. I like the Nationals a little bit more just for what they've done in their last series. They're well-rested. Um, the Yankees actually shut down a lot of that Houston lineup. Uh, aside from Altuve, really, uh, not many of them came through. Uh, there were some key hits by Correa and Redick, but it wasn't a collective unit just – bashing like we've come to expect so i think the nationals have the edge there the bullpen is really going to be a flip of a coin for me because both of the bullpens are kind of shaky right now i know you have ozuna in houston but 
we'll see. I, if it comes down to a ninth inning, I, I like Houston more than Washington, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, I give the Nationals a little bit of an edge. Yeah, so uh, Matty P, you know, he mentions the bullpens as, as potentially a a big factor. Uh, this is going to be our SeatGeek question for the day. Put in promo code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N. Get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. And, and Matty P, the SeatGeek question is, your prediction was Nats in seven. When you look at this Nationals team, what is going to, the SeatGeek question is, what could go wrong and, and throw that prediction violently off course? Well, I think the biggest, you know, biggest factor is going to be the Astros pitching. And I'm talking their game three and four starters. If if Granky and probably Peacock, it's too early to tell, but if, if they can come out and pitch to their full potential, which we all know is, is pretty solid for Granky and Peacock's had a, a decent history as well himself throughout the year. Um, if they can both pitch as well as they're capable of doing, that's going to present a problem for the Nationals. Um, again, game one and two, the pitching matchups are so tight, it's going to be a coin flip. Um, but I think when it, when, you, when it comes to those later games, game three and four, those are going to be the big ones. For sure. So, Matty P., Thank you for joining us for your World Series preview. We'll catch up with you later for the Curtain Call. All right, thanks to Matty P for joining us. Now uh, we're talking to me and Seven back. Uh, kind of going to go the same style. Starters. We're going to just kind of break it down positionally. Starters, Astros, and Nationals. When I look at this team, I I like this Astros rotation. Um. Where do you lean when you turn when you look at starters? For the starters, I I would lean to the Nationals only because is it's Zach Ranky's postseason woes aren't you can't just look at the New York series and say oh he just had a bad series no it's like his whole career he has not been able to show up for big games so I'm ready to classify him as just not a big game pitcher. And I thought him pitching in the three spot in that rotation would probably help a little bit, but I think it's only exacerbated it. Um, not, that's not to say Patrick Corbin is, you know, Justin Verlander in the postseason because he hasn't been great either. But the way it shakes out, Corbin would be pitching at home um, his first time through. So I would like Corbin in that spot. And that's the only reason I would give the edge to Washington because I think with a three-headed monster of Scherzer, Strasburg and Corbin with Corbin being able to pitch at home instead of in a hostile environment like Houston, I would give them the edge in that sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just think, I mean, these are both my Cy Young picks going at it when you got Verlander and yeah. Scherzer. Um, and then I give, I mean, I'm just going in terms of number of starts here in terms of one, two, three, four. I'm giving Cole the edge over, um, Strasburg. I just think when you look at the top end and consistency, Cole's been more dominant than Strasburg has been, even though I think Strasburg's been very good this year and of late. Yes, he has. Um, I just I, When I look at these two, I, I just really like Garrett Cole. No, that's the one thing. Like, And, and going into the Yankee stuff, I even, I even said, like, all right, well, we can probably pencil Cole as a loss um, <laughs> when you face him. <laughs> And so I was very content with, like, saying, okay, if the Yankees win game two, it'll be up 2-1. Uh, they were never going to sweep this team. and I don't think this is going to be a sweep by any means. 
Um, this is not the Cardinals, and the Nationals know that. This is the best team in baseball for all intents and purposes at this point. I think the Nationals have the edge in pitching. I would, I would still give them the edge just because I think they will split those first two games. Um, to Matt's point, it's a flip of a coin with both these guys. I mean, game one, it's what, Cole and Scherzer, and then game two, it's Strasburg and Verlander, right? Yeah. So... I don't know, flip a fucking coin. It's it's whoever gets hot. Um, but I think game three is the X factor. That's that's really where we'll see someone take advantage of mistakes. And that's where it's going to happen. And granted, Corbin has not been great, but Granky's been worse. So that's why I'm leaning towards Washington there. That's fair. That's 100% fair. Um, I'm giving... I, I... I'm giving Cole the edge in game one because I think, you know, he's, you know, he hasn't lost a, sh- a start since May. It, it's hard for me to argue any, anything other than a, a win for him in game one. And then I look at game two and I think, like I said, I th- I'd give Verlander the edge over Strasburg. Stra- again, Strasburg has been good of late, but I think when they're both their best, and I think they're both going to be at their best this series, Yeah. Um, I'm giving the edge to Verlander. So now, I'm I got a 2-0 lead for the Astros here. And then you got Corbin v Granky. You can afford to drop that one a little bit. No, that's a fair point, right? Cuz you're right. I mean, if if it shakes out where it's 2 nothing Astros, and yeah, game 3, not to say that you can afford to lose it, but you're right. It's it doesn't it's not as much pressure on the pitching, I guess, for Granky because yeah. at, at, you know what I mean? It's at that point it's more of an offense-driven strategy. Um, and keep in mind too that the ALCS had that rain game, so they had to play potentially four games straight. So there will be rest days should weather hold up in this series. Where I think if everyone can get at least four days rest, even three days rest, you'll see the Astros trot the same guys out. I mm-hmm. I don't think Peacock will start a game unless there's an injury or a guy vocally says he cannot start on short rest. And I know that Verlander's bugaboo this postseason has looked like it's been starting on short rest, but I would still take him on short rest over than over pitching a bullpen game. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, hmm. I, this this series is a lot more evenly matched than I thought it was. Yeah, it's actually it's kind of interesting. It it really reminds me of a very forgettable World Series back in the day when it was uh, Tampa Bay and Philly, and obviously Philly mm. destroyed them. But going into that series, they were it was a similar storylines. It was good pitching and timely hitting, and obviously Philly kind of just took them out of the game right away. But I, when we look at it, I feel like it's kind of it's a similar setup here, or, or if you look at like. Even uh, the Royals and the Giants, like it was, a, it was definitely pitching, but it was a bullpen versus Madison Bumgarner. When you think about it, hmm, yeah. So that's, that's actually a, that's a really good uh, comparison there. So I, I think there's going to be one. I think the X factor still comes down to the number three starters, um, the bullpen. So, and this, this, um, maybe I sound crazy, but I feel like this is a series where the bullpens might not be used a lot. Ooh, I disagree. Okay. Just uh, in the sense of that's just not how the game is managed nowadays. Now, right. I think 
this more than ever has the, the, the chance of, of that, but I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. Because like, like you said, to your point, this is very similar to um, – or this probably has the highest potential of it. Yeah. But I just think the way that the game is managed, and you saw it in the ALCS, especially with the Yankees and, and the success they had with that. I think that was more out of necessity, though, when because the Yankees' starting rotation was not architected to give you six, seven innings. Fair. And that's where – the Nationals differ as a completely different matchup for this Astros team because, I mean, you saw it against the Cardinals. They did not pull their starters when they definitely could have. They just didn't do it because they don't trust that bullpen. And Houston kind of has the same approach. The way they pitch Cole and Verlander, if they can get six, seven innings out of them, they'll take it. And the only time you'll see them yeah. dip into the bullpen is if the starter gets in trouble early. And the way Cole and Verlander both have pitched – it just hasn't been the case. Yes, Grankey's had his struggles, and they've gone to the bullpen when they needed to, but I think that's more for the Yankees that was doing it out of necessity because they were just trying to find ways to manufacture outs. I think the Nationals have more faith in their starters to get them through five, six, maybe seven innings if they're pitching well enough. I don't think there's going to be a short leash on either of these teams' starting rotations. So my question is, let's say early the the – uh, the Astros go out and throw up a three spot in by the top by the top of the fourth. Okay. Um, do you see? Do, no, I don't. Do you see them hitting the panic button? No, because it's it's similar to what they did in in the wild card game too against the Brewers. It was that was a do or die situation. Uh, Scherzer stayed in the game. Fair. Um, we saw them. They they're very reluctant to to call the bullpen up because they they just don't trust anyone aside from. Hudson and Doolittle, there's really no one you can, at least with good faith, to say, go in and get get me two outs. I just don't think they have that guy. And, yeah, the Yankees have multiple guys in that role that can do that for you. But I, I don't think the, the Nationals have that. And I don't think the Astros are banking on that either. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see, uh, see where you're getting at there. Um, so even though they won't be used much, in your opinion, who do you give the edge to in terms of bullpens? I think bullpen, I'd probably give it to Houston. Um, just because yeah, they, likewise. Have a, they have a little bit more length down there because they have the luxury of having a guy like Peacock that can come in should, you know, fire start. Uh, I trust Peacock more than a guy like Anibal Sanchez on the Nationals, should that be how they're using him. Um, and then closer-wise, I would give it to Ozuna. I think Ozuna's been really good. He had one hiccup against the Yankees, but... Other than that, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I think that, again, I think the top end, I think you, a lot of these you got to look at top end, and I think the top end of the of the Astros' bullpen is better than the top end of the, the Nationals' bullpen. Exactly, like because it's the postseason, so if you're getting into the game, it's high leverage no matter what. This isn't going to be like a yep. mop-up duty, so... Because even if they're down three, four runs, it's not mop-up at that point because you're still technically in the game. You're still mm-hmm. – you're never counting yourself out. So they're going to bring in the best they have. And I just haven't seen the Nationals deploy anyone other than Hudson or Doolittle with extreme success. Yeah. Uh, what about the lineup as, as a whole? I'm leaning the Astros here, and it's kind of the same reason that we talked to with Matt. There's really no holes in this lineup. Like, I said it very back in in the beginning of the season – um, and I said, who the fuck do you pitch to? That's yeah, that's, and that's going to be the issue 
Um, I would probably side with the Astros, but I would call this one dead even. Um, the only reason saying is because, yes, there's no, in theory, there's no holes in Houston's lineup, but coming off of this series, Alvarez has looked like shit. Reddick has been a rotational player. Um, Correa has not been great aside from that one home run. And even Springer has been struggling. So, yeah, in theory, this team should run through any pitching they see, but they just have not been hitting. On the flip side, the Nationals are as hot as any team can be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with all this time off in between the series because you had guys like Soto, Rendon, uh, Taylor, and Trey Turner just all raking. So do they, I don't know if they can keep that going, but I think the Nationals have a deeper lineup in terms of how their lineup is set up, if that makes sense. It's not... Because they won't throw the same look at you every night either. I think they can mix and match a little easier. There's there's more flexibility with how they can deploy that lineup. I think the Astros, aside from a couple spots where, you know, catcher and maybe one spot in the outfield, you're going to see the same nine guys every night. So um, it'll be interesting, too, when they go back to Washington to see how they architect that lineup to face National League rules. I think that's another factor when you talk about um, going back to what we talked about when we talked about the bullpens is how the Astros are going to handle their their hitters pitch or their pitchers hitting. Yeah, that's a good point and uh, it's funny. Granky's actually not a bad hitter for a pitcher. So like, can he handle the stick? Yeah, he's he can handle it. Um so that's going to be kind of fun to watch because for as all the shortcomings he has as a pitcher in the postseason, we haven't really seen him hit. So and he did I mean his career record or track record suggests that he knows how to put the bat to the ball, so I don't think he's as much of a liability as a guy like, say, Verlander or Cole. Uh, I know Cole career two twenty five. Yeah, not bad for a pitcher though. That's not that's, bad for a pitcher. That's catcher production in the Yale. Hit so. hit two eighty this year. Yeah, see, he's fucking he's a solid fourteen for fifty. Yeah, yep. So, um, yeah, there's something to think with about, three though. bombs. What? Yeah. Hold on, he hit three home runs this year. Yeah, I, I think um, there was some crazy stat. He, I think he'll go down as the first player to hit more home runs than he gave up. Because when he was in the National League, I don't think he gave up more than three home runs. Hang on. I got to look at his line from Arizona now. Uh, he he very well out. might have, but I, I feel like I saw some crazy. No, he gave up 15 <laughs> in Arizona this year. So, so five so times more than he had. As cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, counterpoint, though, for uh, a good amount of starts, for 23 starts, still not bad. That's a lot better than his teammate now in Verlander, but again, we yeah. haven't seen him give up the long ball, so it's uh no. I th- this series I, has some intrigue on it. I'm I'm actually pretty excited to watch it. Um, granted, I'd be more excited if my Yankees were in it, but we know how beggars can't be choosers in this game. So I guess I'm uh, fully on the Nationals bandwagon at this point. So you're on the Nationals bandwagon. Is that who you are picking? Because when I'm looking at this thing, the only p- positive that I can give the Nationals is just their intangibles because they just got that fight that same thing I said with Tampa where they're they're too stupid to know they're out of a game and, and Juan Soto's electric and I mean obviously I love the pitching but gosh this I, just like I said I told Matt like when I look at this team I don't see or I see one of the most powerful rosters I've ever seen in this Astros team yeah um that's a good point I'm so I'm taking the Nationals purely because of the way they've been playing, and also because three games, you have to get three games in Washington 
before you get it back. I mean, there's three games there. And we both know it's not going to be a sweep, or at least we're both predicting it's not going to be a sweep. I think those three games, and to your point earlier about how the bullpens could be used, that's going to be extremely telling because anytime an AL team has to play National League rules with guys that aren't accustomed to hitting with a Verlander or a Cole or even Granke at this point, playing against a team, like the National League plays so so much better small ball than the American League for obvious reasons not having oh, the yeah. age. So I think, and yeah, the intangibles will come to play in those games. So I would give the edge to the Nationals just because I think they're going to be tougher to beat at home than the Astros would be at home in Houston. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you there, but I am. I like You make good points, but I'm sticking with the Astros. Um, I think they're going to be able to find their way around the National League. I think, honestly, I, I see them having big enough cushions that the National League hitting rules don't become an issue. Um, let me ask you this, though, and it's something that we, we might have to get into a deeper uh, discussion on. Are the World Series rules fair? In terms of game setup, no. I think it should be 2-2-2-1. Two, 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 um, instead Ooh, of, that's not even what I was getting at, but I like where you're going with that. I think it should be two two one as well, two 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 one as well. Yeah, uh, in terms of the actual, or even rules, two two one one one. Yeah, I, I like that too. Um, in terms of the actual, rules, but in, I'm saying, like the, yeah, I'm saying in terms of like the national, like the the national league, obviously not having a DH, and then you you're asking teams who haven't had a DH or who have had a DH all year to now, oh, all of a sudden you're without on the biggest stage. So this double-edged double edged sword, I, because I've had this discussion with multiple people, and on one hand, I think it's completely bullshit that the National League has not adopted the DH at this point yet. On the other hand, they haven't. So as a as a major league manager, if you're AJ Hinch or any of these AL managers that gets to the World Series, you should prepare for that. That's why you're getting paid all this money. You have to be able to adapt. So on that hand, yeah, it's fair because that's what the rules are. But yeah, I, I think that at some point they should institute a DH in the National League. I, I think it's stupid to because, I mean, personally, I don't like watching pitchers hit. I just think it's an automatic out for for most of the time. Um, yeah, even even when they bunt. I mean, I think we saw in the ALCS. Uh, I think we saw Strasburg bunt strikeout. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, and that's what you're going to get. That small ball to the T is just, you know, you're, you're, it's a sacrifice almost all the time unless there's two outs or, you know, whatever the situation may arise that you don't bunt or have the pitcher do a hit and run or some type of hitting configuration that goes into that. I, I, I don't like – all right, personally, I don't like the rule, but I are they fair? Yeah, because that's what the formula has been. Does that make it fair just because the formula has been that? Well, I mean, unless they can change it in the regular season for interleague games, to, unless both teams have the advantage of a DH, then yeah, um, it's fair because they're because both teams are at a disadvantage in that regard. Uh, the I mean, mm, okay, it, it, it is what it is. I, I just think until Major League Baseball steps in and actually institutes a league-wide rule that the DH is going to be accepted on both leagues, I don't think it's unfair. I just I don't like the rule for what it is but it's fair because it's, it's been the way it's been i said this a couple years ago and, and it was a little bit of like chaos but at the same time it was like hmm, wonder if that's a good idea what if the all-star game instead of determining determining home field advantage determined what rule set we play by oh i see i like that i like that a lot because now 
that game means something and it's actually kind of a fun development because it's not it doesn't change anything about home field it only changes the way that you would approach the game which and they have enough time to prepare for that should they get there so yeah i like that a lot actually it's a little bit of chaos but at the same time it's like this could be really fun that's so fun it's, it's the same argument with like extra innings if you have a man on second to lead off like i feel like that would make the games that much more exciting because now you have to employ strategy instead of just using bodies yeah um i have so many mixed feelings about that extra innings rule and we'll get into it in an off-season pod because lord knows we're gonna have plenty to talk about oh yeah um so you're saying nationals i'm saying astros i'm saying six games what do you think i'm, I'm gonna say seven games like maddie i'm gonna say nationals and seven. Oh, okay so you and Maddie both on Nats in seven. I'm taking Astros in six. And that means it's time for curtain calls. Um, so Maddie joined us again for his. Let's cut to that. All right, it is curtain call time. We're back with Maddie P. Matt, you said you're gonna throw us off a little bit. What do you got? Well, let me just give you a quick little... Last week, I messed up. I fucked up. I gave Seven a little more respect than I probably should have, and I, I was giving the Yankees more respect than I probably should have, and I will never do that again. It's against my, it's against my baseball religion to give the Yankees respect, and I went against that in my first podcast from on Gap to Gap, and I'm never making that mistake again. So, with that being said... I kind of tipped it already. I'm taking the Nationals in seven, but here's my curtain call. Game one, which, I, oh my gosh, I, I want to fast forward time. and I wish it was starting right now. But Scherzer versus Cole, um, there's going to be, between the two of them, less than four hits given up. It's going to be a pitcher's okay. duel. We might get a couple singles, but it's going to come down to the bullpens late in that game. There's not going to be much action on the offensive side. It's probably going to be a one nothing game, 2 nothing game, but it's going to be a heck of a matchup, and I'm really looking forward to that. So that's my curtain call. Less than three hits given up. I love that. So, Matt, thanks for joining us. We will catch up with you next week, and as always, appreciate you, man. Absolutely, boys. Thanks for having me. And one thing, happy birthday to El Jefe. Shout out to him. Happy birthday, Jefe. Uh, this, this is dropping on Tuesday. His birthday is Monday. So happy birthday, Hefe. Hefe, thanks for uh, letting us all be a part of it. Later, Matty P. All right, guys. Thanks. Yep. All right, so Matt, obviously, uh, you know, bringing the heat as per usual. Um, I am going to say I'm going to go away from the World Series. Okay. Ron Washington will lead the Padres to an over 500 season next year. Wow. So you're so, okay. So you're calling two things. A, he's gonna get. The I'm job. double. I'm yep. doubling down. <laughs> I'm doubling down on the hiring and then a at least 12 game improvement. Okay. Actually, I like that because I think Washington would be a good fit on that team. But um, yeah, that's bold. I like it a lot. Um, I'm gonna get bold real quick because and I think this okay. comes from. This comes from a, a place of hate and love. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say Mike Stanton will be traded in the offseason. and will be traded. Will be traded. I'm gonna say he's gonna get traded. Um, okay. 
And I'm also going to say the Yankees, they're going to make a few trades. So that's one just to get him off the team. Um, the other trade I think they're going to make, I think they're going to trade Miguel Andujar and Clint Frazier. And if the price is right, don't be surprised if Gary Sanchez goes on the move um, for a stud pitcher. And I think they're going to sign either one of Cole or Strasburg in the offseason. Hmm. And I think the Yankees are going to form a super rotation and just couple that with a Super Bowl pen and we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, I think there's going to be a very different team come March in 2020 for this New York Yankees team. So I'm guessing that you're getting a lot of this from the, uh, the tweet saying Cole and Lindor to the Yankees that I saw you liked. I did like that personally a lot. Um, I don't, so I personally don't think they're going to get Lindor. I think they're going to, I think Cashman, they fucking better not. So <laughs> I think Cashman's at the point now, and for as great as he's been and all the cost-conscious moves he's made for some of these guys that we've seen come in and contribute, I mean, look at the, where their team is now and look where guys that they've missed out on, look where they are now. Verlander's in the World Series. Corbin's in the World Series. Cole in the World Series. They had a chance at all three of those guys in the last two years, and they never pulled the trigger. So now Cashman has a choice. I can be the Yankees and bring up the catch or bring up the checkbook and just, you know, cold hard catch, get my guys. But also I think there's gonna be some trades because I think the way the game is going, you need to have these horses in your rotation. And you can never have enough pitching. So I think the Yankees are gonna trade for a pitcher and they're gonna sign one in free agency. I don't I, I don't think Lindor is gonna be part of that. I don't hate that. I I, I would love Lindor. I don't hate that. Yeah, and I would love Lindor, but I don't think he's he's as much of a need as pitching is. I think you can get by, and they showed it for 103 wins that you can get by without marquee hitting. You just need guys to hit in the right spots. Hmm. Okay. 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 All right. Um, and Matty P already lobbed his in. Appreciate you joining us, Matty P. Uh, let's see. Is that it? I think that's it. Episode 22, Savage List in the Bronx. Savage List <laughs> in the Bronx. Savages no more. Um, yeah, so that was that was a fun one. Uh, it, it's going to be so much fun to watch this series play out. Um, not our usual amount of shenanigans. A little more analytical today. Um, really but, was. Hey. <laughs> it was like kind hey, of Hey, you know what? We actually, <laughs> contrary to popular belief, we kind of know what we're doing on this show. We do. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Don't let the bleeps fool you. <laughs> hey, we didn't have one today, so that's good. We didn't. We're, we're starting a new trend. Yeah. <laughs> it has been one show since our last bleep. <laughs> Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need to get the train back on the tracks. Hey, uh, in the words of Edger and James... Sometimes you got to shake the foundation or sometimes you got to shake the foundation. Fuck. Sometimes you got to <laughs> shake the house to test the foundation. Oh, my uh, God. except in our case, we're talking about swearing. In his case, he was talking about going to strip clubs. Yes. So <laughs> exactly. So very different things, but the same message applies to both. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's 22 of these bad boys. Yep. We'll see you next week. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the World Series. I know we will. Till next time, he's seven. I'm Tommy for Maddie P for everybody here at the breakdown. Happy birthday, Hefe. We are out. See ya. I'm so gifted at finding what I don't know.